Hey, hey, it's Claire. Hello, and thanks for listening to the Integrally Alive podcast, Sparkling Life and Going from Alive-ish to Alive. And hello, Sydney. Thank you for being with us Hi. today. So, Sydney, Sydney, it was a beautiful shark in the last party I saw her in, <laughs> but it's not the only thing I know her for. She's working at Mind Valley, and she's also an artist, and she's passionate about exploring the link between emotions and thoughts and understanding their nature so we can use them as a system rather than being controlled by them. And she shared all of that in her YouTube channel. We will talk about it later. But for today, we wanted to share her story. We will be talking about depression and suicidal thoughts and how we can overcome this. And she has a, such a beautiful story of resilience. Uh, let's dive right into that. So tell us uh, a little bit about this. How did your story begin? Mm. Thank you, Claire. I'm so excited to be on. So we're getting right into the deep, painful stuff here, which is really exciting for me uh, because I really want to have this conversation with you about this. And for me, where my story in regards to depression started, I would say it actually started surprisingly young, where if I think about the first times when I had thoughts that were about suicide, considering it, thinking about it, I was maybe five or six years old. Oh, well, that's very young. Yeah, and I remember, like, it would be, you know, sometimes I would lie in bed at night and wander around the house sometimes thinking about, like, well, you know, I know where the kitchen is, but, and, like, you know, what if I, what if I wrote a letter and then I used the knife and, but then my parents would find me and I just had these sort of fantasies about it. And then I'd be like, oh, whoa, no, no, I don't want to think about this. This is kind of dark and just ignored it. And it was never a really big deal. I was actually a really happy child. And I had really, I have really awesome parents. And life was pretty good, except this thing actually continued to develop, especially from when I was 12 to in my teens. And, and when I was in my, yeah. How, because it seems so like completely contradictory like if we think if we hear about such a because this is deep like at five or six mm. thinking about oh i'm gonna take this knife and so we would associate it with a terrible childhood like very problematic uh, parents or mm. being bullied at school or i don't know such a dramatic story but how what do you think Okay, um, was the um, um, the reason behind behind this? Right. Yeah, I mean, um, it was never anything super dramatic. I would say mm. it was mostly like, say, a few moments where my parents would be having an argument, not a crazy argument, like they yes. were never violent, and and um, also some things with school where I was actually even when I was a kid, I was going to this school that was considered a good school and the reason why they were considered a good school was because the kids there got really good grades and the school did this essentially by um rote learning so they just drill things into your head mm. and i just didn't like being in that environment i always felt sort of like i was trapped and and that feeling of being trapped was something that increased over the years as well 
And so after, when I was five or six, obviously I went to a different school than when I was in my teens. Mm -hmm. And the school that I went to in my teens was actually specialized in art as well as doing a full academics course. As you know, earlier you said I'm an artist, so um, I decided, oh yeah, I want to go to an art school because that'd be so cool. I can be around people who are like me or who are really passionate about art and drawing and all these things. And of course, art was always my happy place, my solace uh, growing up as well. So I was like, this is going to be perfect. There's going to be all these like-minded people around me and everything. And it's this experimental new school. It's all fancy and everything. So I was so excited about it. And then I got into it and I was already not in a really good place. Like I was okay, right? I was an okay kid. No Mm -hmm. terrible signs, at least to me internally or externally. And then when I was in that school, I found that there was a lot of pressure. Certain things started happening like, I felt like I was losing my passion for my art and you know things like people would start having these almost competitions about who was the most tired Mm -hmm. and I I would go into class and it would and it got worse over over the three three four years I was there go into class and someone would be like oh I'm so tired I only got four hours of sleep last night and then the next person would come and be like, wow, you got four hours of sleep. You're so lucky. I only got three. And then the third person comes in and goes, guys, I didn't sleep at all last night. It's almost like this competition to see who could be the most tired. Because as I was growing up, one thing that I, I always felt like I was supposed to be was perfect. I was always trying to control myself as much as possible so I could be perfect. And by perfect, I, I literally mean like pretty much anything. Um, getting good grades, mm-hmm. being good at my art, being able to sing, do languages, um, sports. I was never good at sports, so, so that was a big, you know, black mark on my perfection score <laughs> in my own head. Yes. And, um, and, I, and for whatever reason, I, my mom used to tell me stories about her in school, and she did fairly well in school. Later on, I found out she didn't have the best grades, but she was always like a top student, really engaged, um, did lots of sports as well. And she was just telling me these stories as I was growing up. And for whatever reason, I decided as a child that her telling me these stories was going to be my standard for life. Like I am meant to be my mother. Okay, yes. And that kind of developed into this perfectionism that, uh, that grew over the years where I prioritized in my own mind, this idea of like, I need to, anything that I do, I need to be great at it. I need to be the best. Or if I'm not the best yet, I need to be one of the best. Mm-mm. And that had its healthy sides and its unhealthy sides. So as that went on and I was in this school that was trying to develop, it, it increased and I wasn't getting the best grades. So I wasn't good at things like my Chinese, which was a subject that we had to do. I wasn't really good at things like chemistry and mathematics. And there were other things I was struggling with, especially since I didn't have this understanding of maybe I should rest. And I just kept going and going and going. And in my head, every single day, I would end that day and I just felt like I have more and more things on my plate. And I'd always felt like an ambitious person. I want to do things with my life. I want my life to be fun and interesting and I want it to mean something. I want to be able to contribute to the world in some way. And I felt like that would be impossible for me because here I am and I'm just some kid 
struggling with her homework. Like, I can't even do homework well. How am I ever going to amount to anything if I can't even do this? And it especially felt that way when I'd be sitting in class and my teachers would look at us and say, like, why can't you guys even just do homework? You know, life isn't always going to be this easy. Right now, you're in school, but one day, you're going to have to be in the real world. Wow. So are, are you in. saying that all, all this perfectionism uh, was encouraged at such a point by your school, actually? I mean, yeah, the, yeah, I would say so. It's a little bit of a cultural thing okay. um, as well, overall, I would say. This was, oh, no, not Malaysia. This was in, where was it? Singapore? Oh, yeah, I'm Singaporean. And did you talk about it with someone like your parents or the fact that you were struggling and feeling like you couldn't do? Uh... Yeah, so here's the thing. I didn't tell people because mm. I didn't see it as a problem. I just oh. saw it as my failings as a human being and so my you... failings as, as a person, as like my personality and my character. So you thought like kind of, oh, this is something that kind of everyone experiences and there is nothing special about it? Not so much that as like, this is something that I should be able to handle oh, because okay. everyone goes through school. Everyone graduates. Mm. Why am I having such a big problem with it? If I tell anyone, they're going to realize I'm broken. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I'm missing some fundamental part of me that allows a person to go through life well. Um, and, you know, because I think everyone kind of might have a similar feeling because I felt as if everyone around me was able to handle life. Like everyone else had, uh, to, put it, to put it bluntly, their shit together. And I'm the only one who doesn't. So I can't tell them I've got to just get it together. And my approach was, of course, well, obviously I, I, I need better tools, like, you know, I need to, to be able to organize my time better. You know, all these things. Mm -hmm. I thought I needed strategy. I just needed to stop being such um, a complainer or a wuss. Like, I just needed to power through. That's yeah. This is, through so, this is so important. So many people, when they struggle, when we struggle, we always think that, oh, it's me. And everyone else is going great. <laughs> and mm -hmm. and we, never, we never dare to say anything. And then... Repeatedly, I see this happening again and again and again. When we finally find the strength or courage or whatever it is to talk, we actually mm. um, realize that everyone is struggling in their own way. Like we all have unique stories, but this yeah. is such a common thing. Wow. And even to be struggling, I felt like, damn, I shouldn't have any problems because I'm going to this prestigious school, I have good parents, I have a good family environment, you know, like, we're not really struggling for material things, therefore, everything should be good, and I'm somehow not good, like, what's up with that, and, like, the voice in my head was like, what is wrong with you, why are you feeling this, this is ridiculous, like, get yourself together, why are you being um, such a worse, why are... Why are you feeling this way when there's no reason for you to be feeling this way? That's what I thought. There's no reason for you feeling this way. Just handle yourself. Like stop, stop being such a child. Stop being so immature, and and just get your shit together and and do your work. And it got to the point where I even wouldn't sleep on my bed. I'd see my bed. I'd be like, I just hear this in my head say, Oh no, no, you don't deserve a bed. Oh wow. You haven't finished what you're supposed to finish. You don't get to rest until you do. And so I would lie on the floor 
And that voice would just keep going over and over in my head. Like, what is wrong with you? Why are you so worthless? Why can't you do anything right? And I just felt like the facade that I was showing people that I was okay and I, I could handle myself, it was mm-hmm. cracking. And then I felt almost like, oh my God, when this thing finally cracks, I can't let it, I can't let it crack. Because if it did, everyone's going to see that there's nothing under there. Like, I'm nothing under there. This and no one, no one saw anything. Like no, your parents, any friends or teachers. I mean, I doubt that no one saw anything, but they definitely didn't see anything that was extreme. Mm-hmm. You know, I might have been stressed. I might have been staying up late, but for the most part, I've have I have an even face and an even way of presenting myself. Yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm not straight up bawling and saying that I hate my life. And so, you know, oh, okay, I guess she's just stressed because she's got lots of schoolwork, right? Yeah. It's not, not a big deal. Not a big deal. Yeah, oh my God, that's really important because, uh, again, this is something I see so often, like happy face, right? It seems like yeah. everything is okay. Maybe a little bit stressed, but like you say, not a big deal. And then the next yeah. thing we, we, we know is that person committed suicide or things like, something like that and no one understands. But they were struggling in silence for so many years. So thank you for really showing how it can happen and, and develop. Uh, so you, you came from having suicidal thoughts from time to time to be like daily in a very mm-hmm. bad, bad state actually. Yeah. I remember I, I was essentially crying every day at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah, And I, I didn't even question it because it had just slowly developed over the course of many years. I just thought, oh, this is my personality. I'm just like really shit. Um, and so that finally got to the point where um, after being in that school for four years, I was thinking about leaving. And that was something that I felt really bad about because I thought, oh my God, I'm thinking about leaving. I'm quitting. I'm giving up, like that's another sign of weakness, isn't it? But I still would, I was still thinking to myself, oh, I've got to do something. So I started asking around for advice because I didn't trust my own judgment mm. at this point. I was like, well, if, if I'm just so incompetent as a human being, I obviously couldn't be trusted to make my own life decisions. So I need advice. And so I asked friends, I asked my mentors, and like to sum it up, what I basically felt they were saying was, well, you know, you, you really shouldn't leave because you're going to just like ruin your chances. You know, it's really tough to make it doing things that you love because mm-hmm. I was thinking of leaving and just going uh, into like a pure arts direction and doing animation and, and giving and doing that. And so it was like, well, if you do something you love, then you're probably not going to be happy because you're going to be, stuck with really bad pay or even if you do something you love you might actually have to sell out and do things that are not actually aligned with what you enjoy in that area or you know you could do something where you can get money right you can actually earn a decent living and enjoy yourself sometimes you know take holidays and things but overall maybe you will you won't like your job you won't like what you're doing for a living wow so many personal beliefs right (laughs) just them I'm just some kid. I need to hear what the adults say about this yeah. real world. Mm. So magical. 
or that I, I so don't understand because I'm just some naive girl. So many of us being told, oh no, don't go after what you love because you will be blah, blah, blah. And then we end up studying something we don't love. And at 40, mm -hmm. we have a crisis and go back. Mm -hmm. Like this is so sadly common. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just expedited that crisis because I, you know, heard what they were saying and I kind of projected into the future mm -mm. as this person who's like, I'm so unhappy now. Okay, if I take, if I choose this, oh wow, that just looks like more unhappiness mm -mm. in my life. And there doesn't seem to be an end to it. And what about this path? What if I do what I love? Oh, that looks like unhappiness too. That looks like pain as well. And I just felt like, you know, I'm unhappy now and all I have for the future is unhappiness too. Unhappiness and living a small life. Because I, I mentioned earlier how I always felt like I was an ambitious person. Mm -mm. And it felt like all ambition is this pain. Like in my head, in order to do something big, it would require, you know, if, if say it takes you uh, one unit of effort to do a small thing, if you want to do something 10 times as big, you need to put in 10 times as much effort. Mm. When that's usually not the case at all. You usually need the same amount of effort because it's something you're like, oh man, I really, this is really important to me. And it actually has a bigger impact. The correlation of effort is totally not there, but I didn't see it that way. I was just like, damn, if I have to work 20, like 20 hour, 22 hour days in order to finish schoolwork, then when I'm finally doing something important, I'm going to have to work 40 hour days. There's not even 40 hours in a day. How is that going to work? And so I just saw it as this like, holy crap, life is just going to be painful and pointless because I'm never going to be able to do anything that's going to mean anything to myself or anyone else. And that's when I finally didn't see the point anymore. And all those thoughts of like, oh, no, no, I can't commit suicide. I could never do that. Like, there's, I still should stay and, and see what happens next and see if it gets better. And I was like, I've done the projections. It doesn't get better. And the voice in my head is right. I am worthless. This, this whole thing is pointless. And all right, you win. And then finally, I was like sitting on my bed. I was thinking through these things and I was like, all right, yeah, this is the last night. I'm done. And wow. When I, when I finally just made that choice in my head, I'm done. Mm -hmm. All the noise in my head finally stopped. It was just blank, white noise. Yeah. So and in just was, the moment, it, it went from deeply uh, and completely um, desperate to calm. Yeah. And since I hadn't been telling anyone else, I felt like this was the, the moment where, where I was finally quiet. And, and since I felt like I'd pushed myself so far out of my experience and out of my head, it was just empty. Mm -mm. And then I heard this voice from my heart and it just said, you're not done yet. And it wasn't a command like, no, you're not done yet. It wasn't a plea of like, please don't kill yourself. You're, you're not finished. You should stay. It was just like a statement of fact. I didn't even think to question it. I just was like, yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, I guess. Wow, I think I have depression. Before that, I didn't think I did. I just thought it was me fundamentally as a person. And, and in that moment, I was suddenly like, wow, there has to be a better way if I'm staying. 
Wow, this is so important because most of the time we identify ourselves with our problems, right? And you said this, you said something earlier that really struck me when you said this is, you were believing that this was your personality, like, oh, I am someone who blah, blah, blah. When actually it's just what we do and it can always change. Like it's a state where, where we are but it's not mm. fundamentally who we are. So this is so important. Everything can be shifted, right? Yeah. And so that was like the, the moment where I acknowledged that, holy crap, I think I need to, need to take a new approach to this. Whereas before, when I felt like I was thinking, it was me just cycling through the same rubbishy thoughts in my head and making them stronger. So I was like, oh, wow. Okay, I think I really have something that isn't working here like it's not just me fundamentally like something has gone mm -hmm. off with me and that's the moment when it started just breaking down everywhere i couldn't hold it together i couldn't hide it anymore because i wasn't like you know i no longer felt like i could keep it together it was like now everything is out in the open for me personally I'm not hiding it for myself either and so there then i couldn't hide it from other people too and it was so much less scary than I thought it was going to be. And oh, yeah. The yes. of it finally cracked open. Um, sure, people were really concerned. People misunderstood what was going on. Um, you know, my teacher called my parents and was like, send, oh, we need to send her to, to, the, to like a psychiatrist to the hospital. And we went to there and they were like, and, I, and then I talked to the uh, psychiatrist and he, you know, asked me a bunch of questions and diagnosed me and was like, oh, mm -hmm. you have depression. Oh, and then I was like, oh, wow, you know, now you tell me after, after all that stuff that just happened and I got through the hardest part of it, he was like, yeah, you have mild depression. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. It's mild because I got through the, the not mild part of it already. But this is dramatic and so common. Like so many people are not diagnosed with depression. And sometimes it's just after they, uh, they suicide that we, we say, oh, Maybe there was something wrong, right? Maybe that was a depression. It's so telling that you just, you had to go through all of this to realize that it was, uh, it was your case. And something you said, so really I want to, to underline this because this is really important. It was so less scary than what I thought it would be. And yeah. so many people just shut up because they have all kinds of ideas of what will happen if they talk, but actually... As soon as they're, even before talking, actually, as soon as they take ownership on what's happening, actually, it's so empowering. And I didn't see, in, and I heard a lot of uh, stories like this going with the Integrally Alive project. And in every story, the moment they decide to talk and the moment they talk, they realize instead of being rejected they have so much support from all or all everyone around around them actually yeah so i knew at that point that something was going on like whoa my thoughts are going in a direction that seems to be you know like not working my emotions mm -mm. as well and i and i all i knew was like i need space away from the environment i'm in that is also contributing to that yeah so i so I was like, I'm going to make my choice during school break. I'm going to take that time and really just, you know, look after myself and work through this and figure out what my next move is going to be. Mm -mm. And that's when I made the decision for sure that I was going to leave. I was like, I need to be out of this environment. 
and I, you know, I was still doubtful of my choices after so many years of doubting myself. It was hard to just switch it all of a sudden. And so even as I had to go back to school for like a last few terms, um, last term, I was still thinking like, okay, I've made this choice. I'm going to leave, but oh, am I really making the right thing? Like, is this really like a strong choice to make or is it, was I right? Am I running away? And I was like mulling all of this over and worrying about it and still very stressed, still having a lot of really public crying and breaking down because, you know, now I had released that, I've acknowledged it. And it was like, you know, now it's out in the world. And then I was in this class and they were talking about theories of truth. And one of them was this idea of uh, a practical truth, essentially saying, it's true if it works. It's like a theory, right? If the yeah. theory works in science, then we take that to be truth, right? The theory of gravity explains things in an accurate manner. Therefore, it's the truth. And so I was like, oh my God, did anyone hear what she just said? What our teacher just said? And I was just there in my desk and I snapped out of these thoughts of me like, oh my gosh, am I weak? Am I strong? What's happening? And I was like, whoa did anyone hear that and i'm like in my desk looking around to the left and to the right and everyone's just scribbling their notes like it's a normal day and for me i'm like holy crap she just like dropped a huge bomb mm. and i was like let me try this right now and because i was thinking about this idea of like am i weak for leaving i was like okay that that doesn't feel good at all i feel disempowered by it it's not serving me what if i chose the other side of it. It is strong for me to be choosing to leave because I'm acknowledging that I have something happening. I have a challenge I'm facing and I'm trying to figure out what strategy I can use and what steps I can take moving mm -hmm. forward. And the step I'm choosing is to leave. I don't know if it's a perfect choice, but it's the choice I'm choosing right now and I'm actually trying. And so that's the strong thing to do. I'm taking action. And then I said it and it was true. And I was like, whoa. Oh, whoa, what just happened? Let me try this with other things. And I just sort of started, even after the class, I'm like walking on the class and I'm like, yeah, what else can I do? Like, what am I, what have I been saying about what is the truth that isn't working? And I can just, I'm just going to pick something else because before then I always worried like, oh, what if I pick something I'm actually wrong? And, I, and then at this point I was like, who cares if I'm wrong? I'm going to pick something that works. I'm going to pick something that actually, you know, helps me and makes my world feel amazing. And then I was picking them and then the, I guess because of the state I was in, I was just so wide open in terms of like being open to, to changing this, that it was like a snap, just like it just snapped into place each one. I was like, okay, what else can I do? What else can I do? Wow. And then, so one thought after the other one, you, you began to kind of re-engineer everything you thought about life and, and who you were. Yeah, at the time, um, it was just, I feel almost like those beliefs mm -hmm. were so raw and near the surface that I had really easy access to them to actually be like, wow, I have created you and chosen you, I'm going to change it. Mm -mm. And so at this point, you know, I, I know nothing about people who practice personal development or any concepts around that. And so when I actually found out about that, like a year or two later, I was just so happy because, you know, this phrase of your, your uh, beliefs create your reality. Yes. I remember 
I remember the first time I heard that from someone else. I was like, holy crap. Like, I remember when I realized the exact same thing. You're saying it in a different way. I said yeah. this time when I realized it, but I know what you're saying is the truth because I have experienced it myself. And I was just so excited. I was like, because when that happened to me, I felt like I discovered a secret to, change, to, the, to how reality works, right? Because it happened. And then, because when that happened, a few weeks later, I joined the new school. And it was like day and night. At my previous school, everyone knew me as being like really quiet, a little bit reserved, can be kind of annoying, you know, whatever. Just, and I wasn't really a top student. No one really trusted mm -hmm. me, thought of me very much in terms of like, you know, oh, I want to include her in this or, oh, I want to rely on her in this, blah, blah, blah. And I go to, and, and I was sort of a wallflower and invisible and no one really knew, knew me. And then if fast forward to like, a few weeks later and I'm suddenly showing up at this orientation of my, my new program. And the first things people are saying to me is like, wow, you're so radiant. You're so attractive. You have this like natural charisma and leadership. I immediately started getting like, um, like responsibilities for taking care of my class for taking care of our uh, school year. Suddenly it was like a top student where before I was totally not a top student at all. And I was like, damn, what just happened to the entire world? Like, I switched some stuff up in terms of how I see the world and it literally felt like the world all changed around me because I was changing. And yeah, then, you literally were changing who you were, totally. And it's amazing yeah. that how, how fast it can happen when we are at the right time, right? When we have the right motivation, mm. like, well, you had the big motivation. Am I going to die mm -hmm. or am I going to leave? This is kind of the yeah. higher motivation we can have, right? So I, I find it amazing just the, um, the short time you needed to shift everything and go in a totally new, new direction. I guess if just a few weeks before, just before you were, you were in that age and you heard that voice, someone had told you, well, no, actually you're going to be very successful, have full friends, be radiant and so mm -hmm. on. You would have been like, mm, are, you, are you sure you're talking to me? <laughs> I, I don't think I would have even been able to hear that. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's, that's my story pretty much up till that point. Obviously, it's been years since then. <laughs> and I can attest, you are really radiant. <laughs> you are something, oh, someone yeah. really fun to have, uh, to have around, even when you're not uh, wearing a, a shark's suit. <laughs> <laughs> something I wanted to touch on is many... Many times we think uh, depression, suicide thought, it's kind of on-off thing. So you have it or you don't have it. And it's before and after. But how was it for you? Did you have down times again? Did it come back at all? Or how did you experience that? Yeah, right. So I mean, after, after that sort of major turning point, I, I was really interested in just you know, changing a whole bunch of different areas of my life and making mm -hmm. sure that that never happened again. I was scared. I didn't ever want to be in that place again. I didn't even want to hear that voice that felt so almost demonic ever again. I was just, I, and that like first year and a half or so, that was a huge part of my motivation. And that's mm -hmm. shifted. Because what I've noticed now is that I still do get times when I feel something very similar to how I felt when I was depressed, emotionally speaking, physiologically speaking. 
And with that, what's interesting is at first, when it first happened, I was like, oh, this is happening again. What's going on? And I tried to figure out what caused it. I'd be like, did I eat something? Like, am I not taking care of my health enough? That's mm-hmm. affecting my emotions. Or is it like people I'm around? Is it my environment? Am I, what am I doing, right? And I'd look at these things and I'd try to bring awareness to them. And I'd usually find something that I've been doing and be like, oh, okay. And then I'd shift it around. And, you know, uh, after a few days, the, the feelings would go away. And I'd be like, oh, great, perfect. I solved it. And then at another random time, I'd get it again. And I'm like, oh, what is it this time? What did I do? And so I was very much trying to figure out, like, what strategies do I need to put in place? What is the solution to my problem? And that is important to some degree, but every time that happened, it took me time to recover. Mm-hmm. It, like time to recover my pride in myself, my love for myself. Yes. Because <clears throat> it still felt like something was going wrong with me. I was like, you know, initially, oh, I never want this to happen again. So I, I, I've noticed that over the years, um, it just happens at random intervals, sometimes for different reasons. But ultimately with emotions and these kinds of things, there's never really a reason. It's kind of like sometimes it looks like there's a reason, right? And we talk to this to little kids, you know, when they're like, no, like, you know, Sarah made me angry. She pulled my hair, blah, 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 or whatever. And then you tell the kid, no, Sarah didn't make you angry. You are getting angry at her. You don't need to be angry at her. And so right. this was like what I, what I started understanding. I'm like, oh, I don't necessarily need to prescribe reason to this. I definitely want to look after my body, after my thoughts, after my emotions. But it's not necessarily going to be because there's something wrong with me. Or, and it's not weird for me to feel this with out a external trigger like my body is just creating these emotions sometimes so yeah it became this thing of oh i'm not wrong for feeling this and um as that has evolved like now to the point where even in mind valley you i was having one for a little bit and i just was sitting with myself creating space to have that experience and kind of like if you ever see someone else who's going through pain or or something difficult emotionally speaking you know you just sit with them you hold space for them and you don't and you're not yes. them for feeling what they're feeling and I was uh, yeah I was just over the years learning that I can develop this for myself that it's not wrong for me to feel this it doesn't mean that you know there's something wrong with me as a person there's nothing wrong with my character um and then working with that understanding as a baseline approach yeah, that's so important. Like, because uh, again, we we feel wrong for for feeling anything, mm-hmm. and we have a in our society we have a culture of oh, pain is bad, so we want to avoid pain. Mm-hmm. So whenever we feel something that looks like suffering, we are we feel guilty of even feeling that way. Mm-hmm. So just sitting with this feeling and acknowledging, okay, this is what's happening now. And there is nothing wrong with me for feeling that now. This is already healing, right? This is already mm-hmm. very big shift. And what you, you said about developing our self-love love for ourselves is really big as well. Like, yeah, yeah it's okay. And, 
I see in what you say, I, I hear two things. Like there is also a biological and a biochemical reason. Like it's, it looks like a big part of at least aggravating your state when you were a teenage was being tired all the time and exhaustion. Because mm. when you're tired, you just can't. I mean, you have this stress hormone going on in your body and it really helps to feel down and, uh, and depressed. But there's how we react to these uh, emotions we, we have. And I, I know we talked a little bit about that before the, the interview about having these emotions, but just sitting with this and understanding that we don't always have to act on them. And we can just a bit like we, we practice this in meditation. You know, oftentimes they, they, uh, they, uh, Talk about seeing your thoughts passing by like clouds in the sky, for example, in meditation. And we can definitely do the same for emotions. Like, okay, I have this emotion yeah. now and it's not who I am. It's an emotion that's with me now. It can stay a little bit and then go away. And yeah. the paradoxical thing is the more we try to get rid of them, the more they stick. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, the interesting thing with that is, of course, um, with an emotion that you don't want to feel for a really long time, the best mm -hmm. thing to do is actually accept the experience of it. Whereas yeah. if you're like trying to ignore it or reject it or make it wrong, suddenly you have it stuck in your system. <laughs> and exactly. it's like, oh, now it's extended itself. And I think um, when I talked about the physiology, for me, it's one of the easiest ways to understand this. Because we understand like um, when we get sick, right? Mm -hmm. When you get sick, maybe, you know, your immune system was down. Maybe you were in an environment that wasn't working for your body or, you know, maybe you, you, you ate bad food or something, right? You get sick. But when we get sick, we don't suddenly go, oh my God, what is wrong with me as a person? Like, why am I yeah. sick? I, like, am I a bad person for being sick? We don't right. do that when we get physical sicknesses, but we do that when we get emotions that we don't necessarily think we should feel. It's really strange, and I kind of like to think of it like um, in terms of being able to watch these things and just accept the experience, it's kind of like the human experience happens through the body. We have the physical body, and that, that we have our emotions, we have our thoughts. All these things play together, affect and create each other together. And then we, as the consciousness, as the awareness, are sort of... Um, get to watch this like experience happen and direct it and it's sort of like you know you don't watch tv and then think you are the characters in the tv show you're like watching a tv show and like maybe you uh -huh. experience like oh wow like now they're going through something really awesome and you get excited or then they're going through some challenge and you're like oh wow this feels like you know really tense or you know your favorite character dies and you get really sad But then after you watch that show, you turn it off and go, wow, that was a good experience. And so that's sort of how I feel about living life, you know? It's the entire range of the experience. That's awesome. Yes. And so when I'm like in this state, when I am going through uh, difficult times and difficult emotional feelings or my thoughts or whatever, it's just like watching a TV show. It's like, wow, you know, this might be painful for me now, And my emotions, like I'm, I feel like I'm in pain. I feel, um, I feel alone. I feel hurt. I feel doubt. I feel scared. I, I feel insecure. I feel all of it. But I'm also watching that happening and going, wow, this is such an interesting experience for me to, to watch, to process, to understand. 
to end because it's just living life and it's really, really fun. It's really cool. Oh, I just, I couldn't agree more to, <laughs> to what you just say. This is a problem for so many, like pain is part of life. Pain and suffering are very different things. And Absolutely. in what you said, you said it beautifully. If you identify yourself with your pain, it's like, uh, well, a good example of that is the difference between I am angry, for example, and I feel anger. This is mm. a, a huge difference. So if you are mm. angry, well, this is a bit hard experience to have, right? You're not the loving person maybe you would like to be. But if you feel mm. anger, then, yeah, that's fun to observe. Okay, what's going on here and what's happening? And so you can yeah. still be with the pain, feeling anger might not feel so good, but you mm. still are as well observing what's happening. And this is interesting. And it's yeah. the key to not being stuck with that emotion because you accept it totally. You just observe it unfold and it goes, uh, it, it comes, it grows, and then it goes down and it goes away until next time. So yeah. totally. Absolutely. I think one of the things about loving each and every one of these emotions is the understanding of like, wow, this is kind of, this is just an expression of life as the person. Yes. Yes. You know, if, Say you took your same consciousness and were somehow able to express it into this world through a rock, you wouldn't have the same experience. You wouldn't feel anything because you're a rock. A rock doesn't have the neurochemicals that mm -hmm. would allow you to feel the, the happiness of like eating chocolate. It doesn't have the neurochemicals required for you to be able to, you know, feel the sadness of say like, uh, of, of losing something that you wanted like you don't get any range of emotions because you're a rock so obviously you can't feel anything you can't even really think anything because you know you don't have a brain <laughs> so you're just now an awareness that is not able to be aware of anything because there's no experience to be had and that's the beautiful thing about being alive is is to be able to like enjoy the experience and um and that's to me what it is you know like in a moment in the moment of it i can feel pain but I'm also simultaneously enjoying it on this meta-level awareness. Exactly. Something we didn't touch on for now, and maybe that was not so much in your experience, but many times we see suicide and depression as a sign of weakness, and I wanted to have your view on that. Did it play a part in you not telling what was happening, for example, like feeling, oh, I'm weak, I should be strong, so I'm just going to pretend I'm strong and go push through that? Absolutely. Absolutely, that was the case. Um, feeling weak, right, was also me being like, oh, well, I can't really tell everyone, anyone else because I'm supposed to be able to do this. And so what's wrong with me for not being able to? I must be weak. It's kind of like if you had a chair that couldn't take the weight of a person sitting on it. And then you say, oh, this chair is weak and broken. Um, and that's how I felt as a person. That, for, that me having the experience I was having at first, you know, the, the depression, it was, I was being weak for having that. Mm. And now, like to me now, it's the complete opposite. To be able to go through that experience, is, it's just an experience, but it also, it brought me, this is how I see it personally. And I'll just say it from a personal perspective. I can't speak for anyone else. But for me, I see it as, you know, 
I got to the point where I wanted to kill myself. I looked death in the face, and then I, from that point, said no. And then pretty much every fear we have is, oh my gosh, I'm not enough. I can't be loved. And if I don't have love, I'm going to die. And I'm like, hey, I already went there. I already got to the point where I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to die. So now, all, all fears, if all fears fundamentally are, are death fears, then I'm like, oh, okay, death, right? You know, I've had this conversation with myself before. I can have it again and again and again and again. And it's not going to be a big deal because every single time I have it, I gain more clarity on it. At first, it was like, oh, my God, that was terrifying. I don't want to ever have that experience again. And then the next time was like, what the hell? This is happening again? Like, why is that happening again? And then after a few more times, it slowly became this understanding of like, hey, every time this happens, I'm stronger. Like the experience in itself doesn't mean anything. By having that experience, every time I get to the other side, I'm stronger. Yes. Yes, totally. We mistake so much being strong for and weakness. Oh my God. Being strong is not pushing through something that you, you feel you cannot do anymore or anything. And actually being vulnerable. Like I, I guess, you know, the, the, all the work by uh, Rene Brown on vulnerability mm-hmm. and shame. Guys, if you don't hear a look for her and then uh, Renee Brown, she's doing an amazing job at showing that actually, for example, vulnerability, which we label often as weak, it's actually the strongest, one of the strongest things we can do. Like actually talking about and being open about what's going on with us, it's one of the most powerful things we can do. Mm, and sure. staying with this fear of I'm not enough, I'm not blah, 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 this is the real weakness but from the exterior it appears as strong right it appears okay everything is all right but actually inside it's total weakness so this is really Mm. important and i think it might be even more important with uh with men actually because they are supposed to be strong for society standards and it might even weight more on them For sure. I've, I've definitely noticed that with, you know, as over the years, I've talked about my own experiences and felt comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed that when I share it with someone, they feel so relieved. And when, say, like a friend of mine is like, wow, I'm so happy I'm able to talk with you about this because I feel like I can't talk about this with anyone else because they're just going to see that as me being weak and and then they're, they're going to judge me for it. And then they're you know, going to walk on eggshells around me. And I, I just don't want to, to, ha- to have that because like, I'm a guy. I can't be going through this kind of thing. And that really frustrates me. And another thing with that is like um, with the idea of strength, one of the things is that being strong doesn't necessarily like it actually doesn't mean you feel strong. Like, the, you know, the feeling of strength, like, oh, yeah, I got this. I'm good. Like. That is just a feeling. That isn't necessarily about strength. To me, I'm like, you know, you, for anyone yeah. who's going through anything, and it's like, you know, it's a struggle. You're going through it. You're trying to, like, figure it out. Um, that is strength. To be able to, to go through it is, is, is strength. And it's not about feeling like you can have all your shit together. It's when, you know, you feel this lack of strength feeling 
and actually being able to go through that. And I'm just like, Mm-mm. for anyone who's ever had that experience to know that, that having gone through that is, is a strength. Like strength is not about you. Like, like in like sort of like flexing your capability muscle of like, yeah, you know, nothing phases me. It's when something does phase you coming out of the other side. Yeah. Oh, so as we going to the end of this discussion, I have two more questions I want to ask you. And the first mm-hmm. one is, what is one thing you wish someone told you back then when you were struggling? Hmm. The one thing I would, I would say that I wish someone had told me, I wish someone actually, it's not really about telling me something. Mm-hmm. I wish someone I wish would have been able to sit with me in that pain and then say, yeah, you know, you, you might be going through, like you go through this now, but you going through this doesn't change how I feel about you. And I feel no need to fix you because there is nothing to fix. Wow. Thank you so much. <laughs> This is something I'm trying to say in so, in so many ways. So It comes up a lot that we, we don't need to be fixed. And many, many times there's nothing to say but just be present, really present, acknowledging the other person and not trying to make them fit in for our needs, right? Because many people are not comfortable with pain. I experienced this when my father, my father actually committed suicide. And when people were asking, and they were always asking, how did he Mm. die? And when I was answering suicide, they were not comfortable with that answer. Because they were not comfortable with death and not at all with suicide. So they were saying me things like kind of, to cheer me up, but it was actually to, for themselves to be uh, more comfortable with that. So just being there, saying nothing, but really being present to what's happening, this is so powerful. Thank you very much for uh, sharing that. And the question I always ask, what makes you feel alive? <laughs> what makes me feel alive is... For myself personally, it's constantly exploring this, like my relationship with myself, my awareness of myself and, and how, much, how much can I accept and love myself. And then when it comes to like doing things in the world, I, I want people to be able to know that they are okay. Mm. And it, it's not like, oh, what are you talking about? Like, you know, I've got like all of these physical diseases or like I'm having all of these emotional pains. It's like... No, like beyond just you is, as your body, as your emotions, as your thoughts. You are fundamentally okay. And I would love to live in a world where everyone or most people have this understanding of I, am en- I can enjoy my life. I can live it in a fulfilling way. Life is supportive of me. And I feel like if we could just get that and have that as a baseline understanding, the world would be a, like a crazy amazing place. Imagine a baby born into that world that would be that would always be their understanding of themselves and jumping off from that baseline who knows what's going to happen to us as a species as a consciousness as creatures that experience the world in this way wow that's beautiful amen (laughs) amen to that yes 
you are okay as a human being and life is supportive of me. Wow. Mm. Thank you so much, Sydney, for, uh, you, for being with us uh, today. And mm. it's not always uh, easy to share these super personal and vulnerable stories. So I went really to acknowledge you being here and, uh, and showing up for that. Um, where can listeners find you if they want to? Well, I mean, you can always just look me up on Facebook. I'm Sydney Lander. I'm open to people messaging me and talking, talking to me. I also have my artwork, and that's Aster Fire, A-S-T-E-R-P-H-I-R-E. The Facebook page has that name, and there's a website for it. Okay, and there's your YouTube channel as well, right? Yeah, there is my YouTube channel as well. Yeah. That I one will... has like a, like a really messy URL. <laughs> <laughs> I will list uh, uh, all of this in the, on the post. Mm -hmm. All right, so cool. Be sure that people can find you if they want to. So, well, thanks again. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you inspired a lot of persons today. And this talk was very important for me because suicide is really taboo in our society and especially suicide and depression of children. And many people actually don't believe that children can have depression and can have suicidal thoughts. And yet it's happening and it can be prevented. So thank you so much for sharing that. And, and we need to talk. It needs to become something that we can talk about openly and not with this kind of shame that's always attached to that. It's really a big elephant in the room, I feel. Absolutely. so. Yeah, it's sort of like when you said sharing uh, personal stories, it's like in order to be able to share a personal story, especially around this kind of a topic, first I have to be able to, we have to be able to share it with ourselves. And I'm like, yes. you know what, uh, I hope that through this interview and, and, your, and what you're doing, people are able to have this conversation with themselves mm -mm. and then feel strong when they're telling it to other people, you know, and, and then that way it will become less to do. And we can actually have a discussion around this without feeling like, oh, I need to tiptoe around this. We don't need to tiptoe around this topic. Mm -mm. Totally. So thanks again. And thank you all for listening. Thanks. See you next time. And until then, spark a life and be integrally alive. Bye. Bye.